Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How you doing, buddy boy? Don't be scared. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts on this Monday edition of the show. It is game week. I know we had week zero and some uh, group of five action here over the past weekend, but the Power Five conference schedule gets kicked off on Thursday. We've got games Friday, Saturday, and a good one on Sunday and Monday, so we are glad you are here we have a lot to talk about this week in terms of previewing the college football season that is to come. Today, we're also going to get into some mock draft stuff and some of our surprise standouts. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. What a time to be alive. College football is back. The Hawaii Rainbow Warriors are back, which we'll talk about (laughs) in just a little bit. But that was quite the football game on Saturday. Couldn't think of a better lead-in to Week Zero than Hawaii putting up a 40-burger on Colorado State and then nearly blowing a 30-point lead. It's exciting. The excitement that is college football. Don't turn the game off because you just don't know what's going to happen. Oh, I made that mistake. So, uh, I switched over I switched over to Wyoming. Wyoming. Was it New Mexico? New Mexico, New Mexico State. State. And I was on it for all of five minutes before, A, the hideousness of New Mexico State's jerseys, (laughs) and B, the news flash that Colorado State had ripped off like 20 unanswered points in a span of five minutes brought me back to Hawaii, Colorado State. Yeah, Wyoming's uniforms are already bad, but... uh... You know, combining that with New Mexico State, didn't it look like whoever designed those uniforms even tried? Like, I mean, this was bad. Um, that was my first impression. That was my only tweet uh, from that game. New, here it is, 21 hours ago. New Mexico State's uniforms are bad. <laughs> so, and then I fell asleep shortly there. Oh, no. Well, yeah. I'm impressed you fell asleep with that much ugly on the screen simultaneously. That's that's yeah, an accomplishment. And so you must have been run down on Saturday night. Did a, did a few things, had some activities during the day Saturday, Kyle. I was a little tired. Well, good for you. Shall we? Uh, what are we going to do first? I was yeah. just going to say, we got uh, we got some <laughs> segments here. I think we should make the people wait for the mock draft stuff to the end. Um, okay. Got to really you know, tease it you know, in the business. We call that a tease. Keep you coming back. We're going to make sure you guys stick with us to the end. Why don't we do surprise standouts first, Joe? Let's do it. So who was... Since the last time we did this segment last Monday, Joe, a surprise standout that you have come across in the past seven days. Yeah, mine, mine as soon as I watched this tape, I said this is going to be my surprise standout. So that you know it's good when it organically happens. Uh, yeah, so I'm finally, well, you know, not finally, over the last few weeks, able to branch away from ACC film, and I'm getting familiar with the rest of the country in terms of the best prospects and uh, learning about them. So that way... You know, I'm not just the ACC guy. Kyle's not just the Big Ten guy. We are covering the entire scope of the nation for the Draft Network, but our focus over the summer to get us ready was to be specific with our conferences. But anyways, so I'm watching Big 12 tape, and I'm watching Texas's defense, and this cornerback that they have there, Chris Boyd. Oh, man, he's good. 
he's good. I know that this corner class, you know, the top of the corner class, we always go to Greedy Williams from LSU. He's outstanding. Levanta Taylor from Florida State. I know you like Lavert Hill from Michigan and uh, Oruriare from Penn that State. That wasn't bad. Good players. Good players, Kyle. All those are good players. But Chris Boyd may be, may be cornerback one here. I know he's in uh, Greedy's kind of well, – look, look, I'm Whoa. telling you. I'm t- yeah, I'm here bringing the heat here on this Monday, Kyle. So I tried – I sent you a DM on Saturday. I said, I said, make watching Chris Boyd a priority. I don't know if you got a chance to do that or who did. But uh, my goodness, this is a good football player. He's big. He's long. He's athletic. He's physical. He wins in press. He wins in off man. He wins in zone. He's got ball skills. He's plays through contact. He tackles. And this dude, I mean, I'm just telling you, he's got all the makeup of a number one corner in the NFL. Love the way that he competes, whether it's the balls in the air and he is just playing, you know, he's playing to get in position to make a play on the ball, whether he's taking on a block in the alley and working off of it and making a tackle. I mean, he's a very intentional football player. He's dedicated to his technique. He's physical and athletic. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm like oozing over this guy. You're going to see him in my mock draft. You Maybe we'll get to that later, but he's he's in there. He's in the first round pretty hot. So I like what I see here from Chris Boyd. He's got my full attention, and I think he's in the running to be cornerback one. His game against Texas Tech might be it, – it's definitely the best cornerback tape I watched this summer, but it's the best game I've seen in a long, long time. I think Dante Jackson against Auburn last year was an exceptional game tape from a corner. And uh, this one is 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 up there in terms of just tremendous in every way. Go back, watch that Texas game versus Texas Tech. Chris Boyd's best player on the field. It's the best corner tape I watched this summer, and I am oozy or swooning is the word I was looking for. Swooning over the upside that is in, within Chris Boyd. I don't know. I kind of like oozy as a better descriptor than. <laughs> well, that cannot be the takeaway from that rant. All right, look, I, I blew it there at the end, but we, Chris Boyd, Kyle. Chris, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I watch him now. I do want to ask you a question. We are going to be doing top 100, or I'm sorry, top tens position wise, uh, and all of us here at the Draft Network are going to be dropping those tomorrow on Tuesday at DraftNetwork.com. Joe, I don't know how many of your position groups you have fully slotted, but I have. Mm, I have every position group slotted through the first three tiers of players, players I would identify as potentially first-round players. You feel good about guys as second-round players, third-round players. And then you kind of get into the messy part of the pool, right? Mm -hmm. I have nine corners with one or two in the the first or second tier. So you, you alluded to the depth at the top of the cornerback group. Uh, this is, in my opinion, as it stands right now, uh, equal to the defensive line groups as far as the depth and top-tier talent in in the country this year. I think far and away, the defensive talent in this year's draft-eligible pool is better than the draft-eligible pool on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement. I really like this wide receiver group. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like this offensive tackle class, but I think the quarterbacks, I mean, certainly coming off last year where we had five first-round guys uh, is not an area of strength. The running back position outside of Rodney Anderson is not one I'm particularly high on. Uh, Tight end seems kind of weak. There's a couple guys at the top that are interesting, but I don't think you're going to be looking at a lot of potential starters from this tight end group. But, uh, 
yeah, you look at the defense and there's pretty much talent at every position that gets you excited and quite a few players as well to kind of round out the depth as well as the top. Yeah. So I will get into this real quick and then I'll give you my surprise standout. Uh, I want to give you the number of players at each position group that I have rated as tier one or tier two prospects entering the 2018 college football season quarterbacks three running backs four wide receivers six tight ends three offensive tackles five interior offensive line three defensively edge rushers seven interior defensive line eight linebackers six cornerbacks nine safeties five a lot, of a lot of defensive talent in this year's group. Joe, uh, my surprise standout, Cole McDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. My goodness, Hawaii quarterback Cole McDonald. That's the only time you'll hear me sing Old McDonald on this show, for the record. <laughs> 26 to 37 passing, 418 yards, three passing touchdowns, 13 rush attempts for 96 yards and an extra two touchdowns. This kid was a stud. And they play this run and shoot out in Hawaii, right? And you know they did a nice job on the television broadcasting uh, of that game. Aaron Taylor was on the call, and he was talking about you know what made the run and shoot uh, what it is. And they talked about you know run th- those components of the offense, getting the quarterback off his platform and on the move to move your rush points. And the shoot is you are making a lot of post snap option routes and reads and you're reading the defense and the quarterback and his receivers have to be on the same page you know, as this offense is kind of flowing in motion to find soft spots and McDonald was flawless for the most part in his ability to make these action or action decisions after the snap and uh oh, I was really impressed with the arm that he had too. You know, this wasn't just a good athlete. He's listed at 6'4", 205 pounds. You can, you could tell he's pretty lean. He doesn't have a lot of muscle on his frame yet, but he could whip the ball around. And uh, I'm not going to get super excited about Cole McDonald because it is a run and shoot quarterback. He is playing at Hawaii. They did play Colorado State. <laughs> but with all of that said, I turned this football game on expecting to be swooned by the quarterback on the other side of the football at Colorado State. High-profile transfer coming in. McDonald outclassed him in every way. So I think it's a fun storyline. I don't necessarily know if we got a live one here yet, but I can say with some certainty, I had a blast watching this kid throw the football around on Saturday night. I'm glad he got his team to win because with the way he played, he certainly deserved it. Now that other dude, K.J. Carter Samuels, 537 passing yards, five touchdowns against just one interception. So, yeah. I mean, he's statistical. Yeah, it, it, pretty impressive that he had that good of a stat line with only one good pass in the first half. <laughs> Dude's wow. thrown, <laughs> living on a prayer, like Bon Jovi would say, first half. He, was, he really took a little while to settle in, but, yeah, once he started cutting loose the deep balls, uh, he showed some nice touch on his bucket throw. So a nice little offensive shootout to get week zero and college football kicked off, Joe. Kyle, any other surprise standouts before we talk about the Heisman hopefuls? No. 
You know, I'm, I'm ready to dig into my Heisman group because I like the group yeah. this year. Yes, so you have a piece today. You can read it right now on thedraftnetwork.com. Kyle Krabs' profile, his Heisman hopefuls for the uh, 2018 college football season. I put my Heisman pick in six-pack Thursday last week. So I made all of my college football predictions last week on six-pack Thursday. So go back and check that out as well. But Kyle, why don't you set the uh, table here for this Heisman discussion? Give us some names and we'll get to our picks. Sure. So Heisman hopefuls week zero launch. This will be a weekly column on Mondays where we're going to introduce uh, the – or keep track, if you will. This week is is more centered around introducing the names – that we anticipate will be in the runnings, but uh, it's kind of like a stock watch of, of the Heisman race and more focused on college football itself, not necessarily draft specific players, but uh, this, this is always a big storyline throughout the course of the season. We have some high profile football players and most of them are draft eligible. So with Heisman hopefuls this year, we outlined the best of the rest and, and guys that we think are excellent football players, but won't sniff the trophy like defensive players because voters don't acknowledge that they exist at all. Or for example, Damian Harris is a guy who I think is an excellent running back. He's a top three running back uh, entering the season, in my opinion, in the draft eligible pool. Uh, but Alabama's had multiple players with more than a hundred carries in for the last five seasons. And the one year they didn't do that, they gave Derrick Henry the football almost 400 times because they had the statue that is Jacob Coker playing quarterback. And Henry got 2,200 yards, 28 touchdowns, and won the Heisman in 2015. But the other four out of five years, and in three of those four years, three players got more than 100 carries for Alabama. And regardless of whatever quarterback that they have, whether it's uh, – Tua, who's a little bit more polished as a passer, or Jalen Hurts, who is definitively a runner. Uh, I think out, the Alabama's going to feed the quarterback position some carries, and they have a talented backup in Harris, who's projecting to be back by the start of the season from some injuries. So Damian Harris, for me, is in the best of the rest pool. I don't necessarily project him to be a serious contender for the Heisman. I just don't think the conditions are there. So we, we outlined that around several football players, including a couple defensive guys. And then we get into the Fab Five, the, the five guys that are in favorable situations that you could really see between the team schedule and the win losses and the players that are back around him and the production that he had last year. Five guys who we really, really think could make a run at the 2018 Heisman Trophy. So, Joe... Uh, would how would you like to tackle unpacking some of that information here on the show? Well, I mean, this is this is kind of your column, so I, I was anxious to kind of hear you talk about it. For, for me in the six-pack, it was a very condensed version here. I, I listed basically my three guys I thought were in contention, and then I think there's a pretty clear-cut favorite uh, in, this, in this race. So um, I guess well, I'll give you my three names, and then you can kind of work through your five, and then we'll get to our sure. names. So my three picks, the guys that I think right now, okay, these are the ones that are in New York here for the ceremony. You've got uh, Khalil Tate, the, the quarterback from Arizona, dual threat guy, can run and throw it everywhere all over the field. He'll put up big numbers. Questionable whether or not Arizona will have the team success, uh, you know, to really uh, highlight what he's going to accomplish this year. The, the next guy that I have 
in the contention is Bryce Love from Stanford. You know, he put up video game numbers last year. And, uh, you know, he's playing behind a good offensive line with him. He's super, super fast, right? I mean, so he's going to make big plays. He's going to have a lot of production. And then Jonathan Taylor, uh, who set the FBS freshman record for rushing yards last year with 1,977 yards. So I think those, for me, those are the three guys at the top of the list that I think right now will be in New York for the ceremony. Uh, we do share those three in common. My Fab Five also holds Shea Patterson quarterback from Michigan and I know Michigan got some bad news over the weekend wide receiver Tariq Black uh, re-injured his foot uh, out for an indeterminate amount of time but they do have a talented wide receiver there in Donovan's people Jones and they have two tight ends in Zach Gentry and Sean McKeon who can space the field well and and play well with size so uh, Patterson uh, his entire candidacy candidacy is going to come down to five games week one at Notre Dame Week 7, home against Wisconsin. Week 8, at Michigan State. Week 10, home against Penn State. And Week 13, at Ohio State. Hear me out, Joe. Patterson led the country in passing yards with 65% completion last year before he went down playing at Ole Miss. If Patterson puts up relatively similar numbers, and he's a dual-threat player, so he can run the football, Michigan takes care of the rest of their business, and they win three out of five of those football games. I think he's in New York. Really? Okay. I mean, so let's thinking about Ole Miss. I mean, that receiving core yeah. was unbelievable last yeah. year. Four four great receivers, a, a really exciting tight end. Wilkins a good running back and in, in a pretty good offensive line. So he goes to Michigan. Does he have that? Does he have that caliber of weaponry and infrastructure around him at Michigan? No, but it, can we expect no, him to duplicate? No, that? but he's playing by and large softer secondaries. Okay, all right, that's a good counterpoint. Penn, I'll, I'll Penn take State that. will have a softer secondary, even with uh, Amani Aruwarie there. Uh, Ohio State will not have Denzel Ward. Michigan State's bringing a lot of guys back, but you know, I really didn't love whether it was Justin Lane or David Dowell. Uh, their guys on the back end, Wisconsin, uh, lost their top starting corner from last year. Uh, and uh, Notre Dame's got Julian Love there at corner, who's pretty stout. But uh, I think Donovan's Peoples-Jones is going to be a big breakout. And um, okay. the rest of the Big Ten, really, the, the secondary talent really comes down to the powers in the Big Ten. And Michigan's got a lot of those cards so uh, he's not going to have to go against those guys. So I think that is something that will enable him to keep his production level similar. All right. Who else we got? Uh, I do have Khalil Tate. And listen, Khalil Tate, you know, you you talked about, you know, his style of play and not sure if that team will have team success. Arizona misses Stanford and Washington on the schedule this year. That's big. That's and they big. catch USC on a down season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if this did, this could be like a Lamar Jackson type formula where if this team wins nine games, goes nine and three, they only have to win the conference. If Tate puts up the video game numbers that he had last year and he was his first game against Colorado, he had 327 rushing yards and four touchdowns on the ground. His last game against Purdue, he went over 300 passing yards and had four passing touchdowns. So this is a guy that can beat you with his arm and his leg. He plays in a conference that does not play defense, and he misses the only two teams on the schedule that do. 
So the numbers are going to be bonkers. Yes. Okay. Bryce Love. Um, Bryce Love and Stanford do have a little bit more of a tough schedule. They have to play Notre Dame. They have to play Washington. But I was impressed with Love, even with the injury issues that he had last year, being able to play tough and stay productive and had over 2,100 rushing yards last year. So obviously he's on the list. I also have Jonathan Taylor. And I have Will Greer, West Virginia. Uh, This guy has the highest average passing yards per game of any returning quarterback in Division I college football. And he plays in a wide-open spread system in another conference that doesn't play defense, with the exception of Texas and Kansas State. So uh, Greer, I think, is a guy who, in his second year starting in Dana Holgerson's offense, bringing back three of his top four wide receiver prospects. Uh, they get Oklahoma at home. They have some faith. They get Kansas state at home. So they get a couple of their tough matchups at home. They do have to go on the road and play Texas. That'll be a tough football game, but uh, that's going to be a revenge game for Will Greer after uh, they knocked him out for the end of the season with the, the hand and finger issue that he had. But uh, I think he's going to put up stupid numbers. and I think he'll be in the top five. A quick comment here on Greer. Numbers are going to be there in terms of his passing production. A lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. My concern with Greer is West Virginia has to have the team success. You know, Cole Kubelik put him in the college football player playoffs for his picks today. And then one of the guys is well on ESPN or Fox. I was watching Fox. And Robert Smith, if I'm not mistaken, had West Virginia in the playoffs wow. as well. Um, so there's some buzz about this yeah. team. And maybe it's just because the Big 12 – Everyone's a little bit concerned about Oklahoma and the players they lost. Oklahoma State's going to be down. I seem to think TCU's pretty good. Um, I seem to think Texas is going to be pretty good. West Virginia's in the mix here. I think West Virginia's going to have to win the Big 12 and have zero or one losses to not only, one, make the playoffs, but then, two, for Greer to be a real, real contender here, in my opinion. Well, and uh, Desmond Howard had him in his college football playoff picks, too. Okay, so it's a trendy yeah. pick. And I think that team will, will be competitive. I think they'll be one of the top three teams in the conference. Um, I know TCU is there. I did, did not mention TCU in a conference that doesn't play defense, but uh, <laughs> forgive me, Horn Frog fans, please. Um, I, I think the rankings right now are Oklahoma, TCU, and then West Virginia in the top 25. Uh, I think West Virginia is a better football team than TCU. I think they're a coin toss with Texas, and I don't think Oklahoma is especially far ahead. So West Virginia getting them at home could be a big, big factor. Okay. So there's the kind of the case. Those are the candidates. I, I think if you said I had to pick five candidates, I think we'd probably arrive at the same five. Yeah. And it sounds like we got to the same three. And this is going to be really boring because I think we have the same one, right? We do. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan Taylor is going to win the Heisman this year. He okay. is unbelievably good, and that that was one of the takeaways that I had watching him on film at Wisconsin. Is like this dude does a little bit of everything, and he does a little bit of everything at five eleven two fifteen. Like this is this is not a lightweight back. This is a guy that is a hammer. And if you look at this Wisconsin schedule, they have three. Tough games, Iowa, Michigan, and Penn State. All three of those games are on the road. 
if Wisconsin wins two of them, then they will go to the Big Ten Championship for a potential to play for a college football playoff spot. And this team is going to have 10-plus wins. Taylor is going to be the offense again. They have their top wide receiver, Quintez Cephas, who's currently suspended for some legal issues that he's dealing with surrounding sexual assault. So that's something that the Badgers should not plan on having him anytime in the near future. It's a hit to the passing offense. Alex Hornibrook is your quarterback. That's also a hit to the passing offense. But this offensive line is stacked. Their starters across the front go 322, 322, 326, 319, and 321. It's a lot of beef for a power back to be running behind. And I really think he's just going to take off against this schedule playing Western Kentucky, New Mexico, BYU, at Iowa, home against Nebraska, who was terrible last year, at Michigan, Illinois, at Northwestern, Rutgers, at Penn State, at Purdue, home against Minnesota. I mean, that's that's a schedule that's going to set up for monster numbers. Yeah. He averaged 141 a game last year. I mean, he could push for 175. Yeah. I mean – and you think about it, like you mentioned there, the the offensive line is tremendous. Coming back, experience, experience in the system. But then also, it's Taylor's going to be better, right? I mean, this is his first taste of Big Ten action last year, and he comes back, you know, with with knowing what to expect through the grind of a season, knowing how to prepare. He's obviously, I mean, look, he's going to get better. Like all, unless he's just going to be stagnant, he's he's going to be better himself behind a great offensive line. Like you said, the schedule sets up, sets up very favorably. And Wisconsin will be a good team, right? I mean, we think – you and I both think that they're a major contender in the, the national race, yeah. right? Not just the Big yeah. Ten. So everything, right? The, all the boxes that you check for the Heisman Trophy, it, it's, it's, it's emphatically checked by Jonathan Taylor. Joe, let's talk about your mock draft. Yeah, should we? What do you think about the like, – so let's just – What's your overarching thoughts? You've seen this. Thing. I like it. I like that these things, as we do them week to week, we have one analyst a week does a mock draft, which God bless, because that makes our life so much easier to do this on a cycle of, I think it's going to be once every six weeks we put out mock drafts. Like, I'm very here for that. I've got no problem. It took me six hours to write Yeah, this I mean, so. they're, they are monsters. <laughs> they're and I think that's something you do deserve credit for with what you did here. This is not lazy analysis you know that you get open up some mock drafts there's like two sentences of analysis and it's like 10 total words and they move on to the next one there's a lot of thought into this and i think even if people don't appreciate the pick itself they can appreciate the thought process and the psychology that went into the picks so i want to pick out three or four picks specifically and just give you the floor and i want to start with number six for the cincinnati Bengals, picking raekwon davis the defensive lineman from Alabama. Joe, the floor is yours, but I picked this because I love the fit. Yeah, it's uh, me too, um, right? So uh, this is fresh off the heels of me watching this Bengals defensive line completely mangle and embarrass this Bills offensive line. Could not block them for anything, but uh, I think that has a lot to do with how bad Bills the Bills offensive line is. But this, this is a pretty good defensive line, right? Dunlop. Uh, at one edge, Michael Johnson. They've got uh, Sam Hubbard, who they drafted. Carl Lawson at, on the edge. They got some young guys, even with Andrew Brown, who's exciting. And then Geno Atkins is in a contract year. He's. I think he'll sign. I think he's going to stay in Cincinnati. But next to him is Andrew Billings, who had the knee injury, and it's been a long road back for him. 
where he hasn't shown much. And so you think about the best defensive lines in, in, in the NFL. They're very, very deep at the defensive line. Think about Minnesota. Think about Philadelphia. Think about Baltimore. Loaded, right? And so I think this is just a way for Cincinnati to be part of that conversation and load themselves up front. They like these big, long, athletic defensive linemen, and that's what you get with Raekwon Davis, who is in a lot of ways like a lot of the the Alabama defensive linemen that we've seen come through in terms of power at the point of attack, in terms of hand usage. But you have rare length and athleticism combined that goes with him, and that's what makes him a top-ten type prospect. The name that I kept on seeing when I watched him on tape is DeForest Buckner. Oregon product, high pick by the uh, San Francisco 49ers, and he's really emerging here uh, and becoming a very disruptive player. And so I think there's the same type of, of play style. There's the same type of trajectory here with Davis. And I think for Cincinnati, you know, who knows what the situation is going to hold for Andy Dalton. He looked pretty damn good today. Um, but uh, I think that their course is going to be making sure that they have this roster stacked and stacking it where it's most important in the defensive line so I think we, it's a really good fit and a very good value here with Raekwon Davis and the Bengals. Yeah, Raekwon, uh, that athleticism that he really carries makes him potentially be a really, really special player. Joe, another guy that for his size carries a ton of athleticism that kind of caught my eye. Pick number 15, you have the Carolina Panthers selecting David Edwards, offensive tackle from Wisconsin. Now, this broke my heart a little bit because it means my guy, Daryl Williams, probably isn't coming back off his injury, right, with the contract year. But tell me a little bit about why you feel like Edwards would be a favorable fit uh, for the Panthers. Well, my goodness, they need offensive line, right? I mean, uh, Cam is never going to be a quick-triggered guy. He's always going to really kind of be a point-and-shoot guy and going to run the ball around and extend plays. And they've done a really bad job of, getting that offensive line right around him. And Trey Turner's a good player, but when you look at this this unit left to right, Matt Khalil stinks. They didn't replace Gorwer, uh, Norwell at left guard. Uh, Ryan Khalil, the center, is retiring after the season. Trey Turner's good. He's the right guard. And then Darrell Williams is hurt, and he's also in a contract here. So there's a lot of uncertainty there. Edwards is good, man. And uh, so I'm watching his tape actually fairly recently here, and I just love how in control he was as a pass blocker, a guy that just – has a really nice base, stays square, gets his arms extended, keeps the pass rushers at the edge of his reach, and he's just in control and balance. Now, you've pointed this out. He does have that funky thing with his footwork right out of the initial kick slide that I you know, I think that's a teachable thing. But it didn't really you – know, maybe at times it gave him problems, but it's something I think he can overcome. He mauls people in the run game. He's a guy that can move bodies if you want him to drive block. But then he also has that athleticism to get out in space and make – uh, blocks as a vertical blocker and work his hips around and hit reach blocks. I mean, I just love the entire package here. And so I actually, what I, this past weekend, I sent you a DM and I was like, Hey man, this is Brian or David Edwards is a good player. And then you actually told me that he's a former tight end that arrived on campus at 240 pounds, became a tackle. You love that, right? You love the guys that, that uh, have transitioned and know that they're, they're still new to the position and they're already playing at a high level and they're going to get even better. So I think, you know, we talk about Jonah Williams with this offensive tackle class from Alabama, Trey Adams from Washington, these players, good players. But David Edwards is in this conversation to be one of the best offensive tackles in this class. And so I thought he was a good pick here for the Panthers. It fits a need in a player that I don't think it's out of the question for him to wind up being a top 20 draft pick. Bless him. Like he's kind of got like the – he's better than Colton Miller, right? 
Oh, but, for sure. But if you look yeah. at the strengths and weaknesses of the players, it's like if Colton Miller can go that early, then why the hell can't David Edwards go that high? Yeah, I find myself saying that a lot right oh, now. Dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, let's move on to the number 23 pick, the L.A. Chargers. After this one, I'm going to have one more. But, Joe, you gave them Christian Wilkins, which kind of surprised me because Christian Wilkins is a pretty popular player for people to bash right now. And I'm interested in, from your perspective, was this more the fit of what the Chargers do with Wilkins? Do you think Wilkins is getting a little bit of a bad rap right now? Uh, Where on the spectrum of your feelings with Christian Wilkins are you that allowed you to slot him with the 23rd pick? Yeah, that's a good point there, Kyle. I I actually like Wilkins, I think, more than most people. You know, I don't know. I think sometimes... One of the worst things you can do is go into a film watch with any expectations. Throw them out. Get rid of every thought you've ever had about a player, every tweet you've ever read, any take, right? Just It's not important. It's about you, that player, and your eyes and what it tells you. And I think there's some expectations that people had going into the Wilkins watch because he's been, you know, you, you look at mock drafts for years and years and years. You look at the, the, the preseason mock drafts and the way too early ones and all that. That's exactly what we're doing right here. But – Christian Wilkins is a name that you constantly see top five, top 10. And so people eventually get to the tape and like, oh yeah, maybe he's not that good, but maybe he's not top 10 good, but I think he's late first round good. I I think there's a ceiling here. I like his ability to attack a single gap and get into the backfield. He's got hand technique. He's got athleticism. You know, he's, he plays with a hot motor. I mean, there's a lot of likable traits here, but I think what you have to strip yourself of of what you've been told in terms of this being a top five, top 10 pick. So uh, the Chargers, man, they're soft you know, up the middle. That, that showed up. Anybody can run on the Chargers last year. I mean, the pass rush is good. The secondary is good. But uh, Corey Legit and Brandon Mabane has not been a very good tackle duo. Mabane's got a contract ex- uh, expiring at the end of the season. He's a replacement value player. And Legit is up after 2019. So I think that the Chargers going defensive tackle makes a lot of sense at this point of the discussion. And then I think Wilkins is a perfectly fine fit here in the later portions of the first round. Now, Joe, my final thought, pick number 32, New England Patriots. And mind you, if you're listening to the show, please do not get offended. This is Las Vegas odds. This is not our choosing to put the Patriots here at 32. But, Joe, have you lost your damn mind? You have them drafting a wide receiver? Debo. Is it the receiver? It's the receiver position. You have them taking Debo Samuel, and I would love the fit. But Bill Bill Belichick has just kind of – it seems like he's sworn this part of his life off because he never gets these picks right if he takes them. Well, look, I, I mean, okay, so it just makes too much sense, right? Other, everything other than Bill Belichick and whatever his deal is with not building this receiving core, everything else about this fit makes sense, right? I mean, you can imagine Debo just as such a polished player, very detail-oriented guy, super nuanced with his route running, especially in his release and in and out of his breaks and He's really good in the air for a guy that's his size, has ball skills and hands. I mean, creative after the catch. He does everything, can win at all levels of the field. You can see him really working well with Tom Brady. And right now, there's only four receivers on this New England Patriots team that are under contract beyond this season. Braxton Berrios, Julian Edelman, who's 32, Matthew Slater, who's a special teams guy, and Darren Andrews. So there's a massive need here. And, you know, Tom Brady, whatever, he's going to play forever. And – whether or not he's a quarterback next year or in two years or it's somebody else, they're going to need somebody to throw the football to. And so I think Debo Samuel, he's a lot like Golden Tate, maybe a little better, 
in terms of uh, his above the rim game than Golden Tate. But I really like him and I like his polish. And I think that he's going to be a really, really quality NFL receiver for a long time. Folks, that's a wrap here on the dudes. Joe, thanks for kind of pulling the curtain back. If folks are listening to the podcast first, we gave him a couple nuggets. Now swing over to Draft Network and check out the whole thing. As Joe said, it took him about six hours to write it, so you should take about six hours and come up with your complaint before you send it to him on Twitter. He's at the Joe Marino right now. You actually, you don't even have to read it. You just let him have it. Tell him how much you hated it. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I'm at Grinding the Tape. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did and you are new to the dudes, welcome. If you're old to the dudes, welcome back. Uh, hit that subscribe button, follow along with us. It is week one of the college football season. NFL season kicks off tomorrow. There is a lot of great stuff up and coming throughout the week and next week at the Draft Network, so make sure you stop by and check it out. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino signing off. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.